Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to the podcast Rude Chagong. My name is Masvid Smith and I'm a professional cyclist. This podcast is about all the stuff we experience on our journey as cyclists when the TV cameras are off. For this episode, I've been talking with Kieran O'Grady. Kieran is one of our coaches in the team and specializes in time trialing. We were in Livigno during altitude camp and had a chance to sit down for a chat about the life as a coach in a professional cycling team. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, I would be very happy if you would leave a comment and give me some ratings. So I'm back with a new episode, and this time it's with Coach in Team Israel Startup Nation, Kieran O'Grady. Um, welcome, Kieran. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, so you're a coach in the team. Um, want to do a small introduction? Uh, last year working with NTT, I know. Other than that, I don't know much about you actually. <laughs> um, we've been working a little bit together yeah. uh, this year. Um, but yeah, how many years have you been in pro cycling? So this is into my third year. So I was with NTT last year yeah. and then before that with uh, NTT's previous guys, Dimension Data. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, now you're in Israel Startup Nation and uh, you like it here? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, a nice team to be be a part of because it's quite a, still quite a young team Yeah. as only recently having the World Tour license. It's not super set in like the ways of doing things that most other teams are. So it's really nice to be able to make uh, quite some significant change. Yeah. Uh, it's also a nice way for you to grow into pro cycling with a new team and, and everything. So, yeah, cool. Um, we're in training camp in the Vigno. Uh First, I have to say, while we are recording this podcast, we have the tour going on. It's the <laughs> final mountain stage. So if we get distracted, <laughs> it's because something is happening. Um And uh, yeah, then we might talk through that on the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, uh, we're in Livigno. We've been here for, this is day four, I think. Yeah. Um, and some people, they think that, or they believe that altitude camp is the answer to everything nowadays. What is your saying in, in like altitude camp or versus staying low and training harder or... 
like what's the pros and cons for for altitude camp yeah i mean there's several different ways that you can kind of incorporate camps or and or altitude um you know what we're currently doing is live high train high um so the lowest training altitude is still relatively high yeah um so that's the, the, the hard way of doing it yeah <laughs> yeah there's not much way of getting down sort of to a low altitude where you can do really high intensity efforts uh with with plenty of oxygen or same same number same we were down a few yet few days ago no yeah. that was yesterday and i was like oh we're down i go hard now <laughs> <laughs> just to get something yeah yeah And it's it is quite noticeable when you do go down in the altitude how how much power you have back in the legs just because you know your body is really absorbing all of the oxygen. And just you're, you're just not you're not out of breath mm -hmm. from nothing. Like yeah. just walking up the stairs to my room, I'm like, <gasps> yeah. Like, <laughs> Especially if you've got the mask on, you find yeah, yourself it's even worse. It down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with the with the altitude camps, a, a lot of people have been looking at them over the past years and trying to work out is it the most optimal way. Uh, of training and with this sort of camp there is there's sort of two benefits of the altitude stimulus but also just the plain camp uh, yeah. aspect so with with most performance camps even if they're at sea level you will have that um, performance benefit because you're in a nice controlled environment with good support staff and you're you're sort of living diligently um, not that you're not when you're not at camp but it's that It's that next level of professionalism with your peers. Yeah. Um, so add the altitude stimulus on top of that, you generally get a further improvement. But there are other ways that you can do it. But that's actually the the thing that I believe is the biggest difference is that you're three weeks away mm -hmm. with your team. And if you do a three-week training camp at sea level, you're also going to come out flying. Yeah. So I believe that is more than the altitude gains yeah. that you gain more there from just being with your team training hard every day with your uh, teammates and you have massage you have the right food and you, everything is just it's not as being like as being at home but yeah you just do that extra bit of work and even if you do it at sea level you're still going to come out flying yeah yeah there's going to be plenty of adaptation still that happen without the altitude uh, stimulus there. I mean, yeah. there have been a lot of studies that look at the differences between just plain camps and altitude camps, and they still find the same, like a similar amount of performance improvement. Mm. What about if you do a training camp now, let's say in Girona, yep. it's 35 degrees for three weeks. There's something about training in the heat mm -hmm. that does a bit of the same like altitude. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we just do the training camp in Livigno <laughs> or in, in Girona? Yeah, that would be nice. It'd be very <laughs> yeah. close to service <laughs> <At> course. <home. laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many places that you can do camps. Um, finding out the best that works logistically, financially, um, you know, and, and no, giving and Livigno is not the best <laughs> place for us. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't comment any more on that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there are there are pros and cons to every location. Yeah. Um, you know, weather could be some um, training roads like Andorra. You you'll struggle to find a flat road, mm. um, whereas here in Livigno, in the middle of the valley, we have a nice flat road. Which yeah. yes, it's at altitude, but it's uh, kilometers that you can get in the legs that isn't climbing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the podcast is called Rüderschagong, mm -hmm. and you know Rüderschagong in Danish. Uh, Oh, you haven't listened to the Danish episodes. I, I haven't listened to the Danish, no, but I've listened but to the English ones. Yeah, so I understand. And so, of course, you need to bring a word slash expression to the podcast as well. Yeah, maybe you have something Irish. 
I forgot to say you're from Ireland. Yeah. But you have something Irish? Uh, no, my word was not Irish. But oh. Anyway. <laughs> um, my word was sort of just full gas. I don't know if it's been covered before, but I can't... Probably not. I, I can't think of it being covered. No, Emma had... Uh, she said a block. Oh, yeah. Which is what they say in Movistar. Yeah. We don't actually have a saying here in Israel, do we? No, we don't have. Yalla. Yalla. <laughs> <laughs> that could be one then. Yeah. Okay, four guys. Yeah. Nobody. Uh, everybody knows what that means. Yeah. Okay, so l I'm going to do this podcast. like It's a slightly different, but I'm going to try to put in some of the questions that I ask everybody. Um, but it's going to be a little bit different because you're not a writer. Yeah. Uh, so you can't say what's the best. Like You can tell, talk about your craziest ride, but it's not the same. No. So let's do a bit more focus on the coaching. Um, so let's talk about your job in the team. What's your role in the team? Mm -hmm. um, like how many guys are you coaching? What are you doing with your riders? What else are you doing in the team? Um, yeah, just... Yeah, yeah. Go for so it. So I started working in the team as sort of a performance coach, but yeah. also I was in charge of the the time trial pod. We have sort yeah. of various performance pods in the team, one relating to sprint, um, GC, and then I'm looking after the time trial. So in terms of coaching, um, I've been working sort of oversight coach on a few riders and then sort of personally coaching a few others. So, mm. um, you know, it totals about six riders because the TT pod takes up quite a lot of time um and then i also do a lot of work with the data analytics yeah. uh, of the team making sure that performance is being tracked yeah. uh rider selection is optimal um yeah. things like that so um let's get into your coaching strategy mm. what do you believe works there's slight like a lot of different uh ways of training yeah um, what is your belief what yeah. do you do with your guys I mean, with with my style of coaching, uh, heavy emphasis is focused on individualization. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been my background of all my sports science training, my PhD, um, is trying to make, like, sort of not trying to have a cookie cutter, for like, coaching method that you yeah. apply to every rider. Try to have a philosophy going into it, which um for me is sort of flexible periodization so you build out uh you know a six months uh plan of yeah. what you want to do week by week but you have you have in your tool belt the knowledge with which to to change that structure as you go along so if things happen if you're ill or or even a day-to-day -day change in training yeah. how that has a knock-on effect on you know next week the week after so that's that's generally how i work with each rider i'll sit down and have a chat with them find out what sessions they really like from historical um yeah. you know experience and then apply apply a few of my own uh, sort of choice sessions as well yeah because what i find is the most important thing about a coach is actually the day-to-day -day talks yeah. and planning uh plans can change every day mm -hmm. um so like the weather can be shit uh you can be fucked <laughs> like, yeah. from from some trainings before you can be sick um so it's all about that connection you have with your rider mm -hmm. or your coach um getting there to do like often sometimes you can't do what's planned yeah so how do you think about that as a coach because mm -hmm. um, sometimes you can have a, the rider can say a bad excuse like yeah. <laughs> whatever and 
oh my hammerhead broke yeah. down or something like that i had the wrong socks on yeah uh so what do you think about all that like when what's the coach's mindset when your rider takes you in the morning oh, i'm fucked today yeah i mean i always work on the basis of sort of pure honesty yeah. um i i like to be honest with the riders that i coach and i expect that same honesty back so if a rider texts me in the morning says oh, no i can't i can't train i'm fucked or you know the the weather is really bad i'm going to I'm going to take that rider on his word and say, okay, let's deal with it. Can we adjust the training? Yeah. You know, can we do a shorter volume yeah. and keep the intensity or bump the intensity up? Um, can we do a split day? You know, could it, is the weather oh, better? It's never going to happen. <laughs> Not for you, maybe. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, some of this, uh, a split day is where you have two trainings, two trainings. In, in one day. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be that that's an option um, or if the weather looks really beautiful the next day and you have a rest day, then I might look at the load of the previous block and say, okay, we can squeeze in one more day. You know, yeah. we had, a, for example, we had a two day block, yeah. you know, we can bolt on a third day at, yeah. at you know, it's and still get a good training stimulus and then have the rest day the following day when the weather is really bad, for example. Yeah. I'm the kind of guy who, when I'm out training, I'm, if I can't do the efforts, I'm like, okay, maybe I just go one hour more and then mm -hmm. I go home mm -hmm. and then I put the efforts in some other day or like I I kind of like to freestyle my training. Yeah. If I have this week and let's say it's 25 hours, as long as I get 25 hours and I get the efforts that's planned. Yeah. Not that it doesn't matter how you do it, but it has to be some sense to it. But but I like to, like I move around my program all yeah. the time. Yeah, and yeah. It, it can be quite flexible. It's not... You know, yeah, we're dealing with a complex system, yeah. you know, the, the body's physiology, but it's uh, it's not as strict as making a, uh, a sort of five-star, three-star Michelin uh, no, meal no, no. that everything needs to go in exactly the right order. And if you don't do that, you're getting absolutely nothing. You yeah. still probably will get 98, 99% of the benefit. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so, yeah, let's get back to you're the you're the TT specialist coach, yeah. coach here. Um so what's that part of your job? What's it like? I know you go to wind tunnels and mm -hmm. whenever there's a TT around Europe, you always go there yeah. uh, just for the day leading up to it and the day we have the TT. Yeah. Um, so let's hear about your different parts of that job. Um, uh, the wind tunnel, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you test everything. Yeah, I try to test as much as possible. And coming into the team, there was only a quite a small aero database from mainly from Alex Dowsett and Matthias Brandle, who have yeah. done some work in the wind tunnel and and had a few bits of data about the the equipment that we have. So part of my role starting in was to try to just test everything, work out what is the fastest equipment that we have, you know, so that the riders can make a good selection um, mm -hmm. coming into races. So that, that starts to inform, you know, what I'm doing as a TT coach, DT specialist. Um, yeah. And then with regards to, to races specifically, um, the work for every race starts about, you know, a couple of months out. Yeah. Um, I'll start to look at the course, work out course demands. Okay, do we need to change the equipment setup? Do we need 58 tooth chain rings or is this a 56 course, the gearing? It's always 58. Yeah, always. It's always 58. Even with the climb. Yeah. 50 RPM. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's better. I, I like the fifty-eight. Yeah, I think most most guys actually do. It's funny yeah. when when I listen to when I watch TT in Danish television, they're like, "Oh, 
on this course, they maybe go up to a 55. And I said at home, no, <laughs> everybody go 58. Yeah. It can <laughs> Even be... I've seen 60s now. Yeah, yeah. They're coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It can be quite um, quite difficult sometimes watching sort of TV commentary. When, you, when <laughs> yeah. you're in the know, you're like, um, yeah, maybe not. But... Yeah, you sit with all the inside yeah. knowledge and you're like, nah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, back to how you prepare the TTs. Yeah. So from once I've sort of established the course demands and equipment, then I'll start to do recon. Um, mm. And that could be just a recon document where I go onto Google Earth, Google Street View, yeah. look at the difficult corners, maybe send around. If it's a technical one, I'll send around a document to the riders explaining, okay, here's the corners coming up. This is this is where I think the course will be going. Yeah. Um, if I have a chance, um, for example, if I'm doing a, a race in the locality of that race, uh, you know, a month before or something, or even like we did with uh, Bisesh, you know? yeah, it's just yeah. three hours out of Girona, and exactly. you live in Girona as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I might travel there, um, or if it's on the way to another race, do a recon trip, mm. Mm. Um, and then drive around with the GoPro and making course notes vocally. You know, I'll yeah. be talking through the corners. Um, then I'll put that into a recon video that you can, uh, I send around to the riders. They can see, uh, usually I overdub, um, I've started to overdub myself sort of talking through the course. Um, we use a sort of call out system from the radio on the car. Um, mm. I won't go into detail with it, but it's, it's trying to make sure that the rider knows exactly what's coming, um, up in front of them. Yeah. Um, and then once, once you get to sort of a week out, um, we definitely know which riders are going there. Um, I'll start to work on pacing strategy. Yeah. Um, I'll start to work on the day plan. So the timings, logistics, who's doing what, where, and when. Yeah. Um, and then if it's in a stage race, I'll sort of travel out the day before, um, maybe check the course over again um, the day before if I can, if they've set up the barriers. Mm. Um, just to check to see whether anything's changed um, since yeah, the recon. roundabout is on the left or the right yeah, or exactly. whatever. Yeah. Um, and then head to the hotel, plan with the DSs, um, you know, fine-tune the logistics. Yeah. And then... And there's a, like, let's hold on that, the logistic part of a TT. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. Oh, <laughs> I, have, I have nightmares have, that I miss stuff. Yeah. Like we get a like we get a plan, and so we don't have to think about anything. You mm -hmm. have to think about everything. So, it says wake up time, breakfast, yeah, uh, race meal, yeah. When we leave yeah. for the to the bus, uh, time for recon. Uh, sometimes the race meal is on the bus. Yeah, uh, warm up start, uh, warm up finish, and start of the race. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm so happy we get those. Yeah. <laughs> there's no th even there's... with that. I kind of get confused sometimes. Oh. Like, oh, was it eight, like thirteen fifty-two, or uh, thinking around? Like, yeah, but I mean, that's... I'm checking that plan all the time. That's and that's also why I'm there, so that if yeah. if someone isn't where they should be at a specific time, yeah. I'm I'm looking for them. I'm I'm sort of uh, jumping on the bus, saying, "Come on, yeah. it's your warm-up time now." Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you go. You go behind some of the guys on, mm -hmm. on, on the TTs and you'll be on the radio. You've yeah. been on the radio with me, but there are like, I don't really like to be like, I don't need this whole, come on, come on, come on, come on. Um, more, I'd like to be guided through the route even mm -hmm. more. Um, Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But, like, some guys, they like to be screamed at, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You had that a few times? Yeah. Uh, Alessandro De Marchi. Yeah. He really loved it. I've yeah, done, he, uh, he told you before. I've been on the race twice with him. Yeah. And first time he's, he said, to, I asked him, do you want encouragement? And he was like, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> a lot of encouragement. I was like, okay. So I gave him what I thought was a yeah. lot of encouragement. And then uh, next TT I did with him. How do you feel? Him, you also get all pumped oh, up doing it, no? Yeah. You get my, all in some kind of sore throat afterwards sometimes. Yeah, some kind of stone uh, as well. Like, yeah. It's it's pretty intense. Out. Yeah. And then next DT, he asked me, um, he, he said to me, okay, how, how you were in the previous one? Times 10. No way. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm okay. going to have to pull out some words that I, uh, Google you're some just Italian a quiet words. Irish guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I not a man of many words. Being an Italian or Spanish guy. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, shit. Cool. Um, let's move on. So, I have this question, you know, what's your favorite kind of uh, training loop? Mm -hmm. So converting it a little bit into you as a coach, what kind of training session is your favorite session to give to your riders? Yeah. I mean, for me, one of the sessions that I really like to give is there's kind of two components to it. Um, You know, it, it starts off with some some longer sort of progression, um, sort of just tempo work just to wake up the body, Mm. um, usually on climbs. And then we start to add in sort of anaerobic spikes at the beginning of these tempo blocks. Yeah. So it'll be short 15, 20 second sprint all out. And then a short 15, 20 seconds is a long sprint. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's more, it's more sort of, uh, anaerobic kick, like an attack. Yeah. And then, you sit, you recover, like you're really easy. And then you can go into sort of six to eight minutes at tempo. Yeah. And the benefit of doing that is you're doing that tempo block with that surge of lactate that's come as a mm. result of the sprint. You know, your heart rate's already elevated, your breathing rate, yeah. uh, you know, your your oxygen consumption is is high up already. Um, so you get a really good stimulus from that yeah. um, without needing to go sort of eight minutes of threshold you can you can kind of kick start the yeah, yeah. kick start the stimulus there and then if i'm feeling particularly nasty then uh, towards the end we might do some sort of 40 20s or 30 oh, yeah. 30s just just to really uh cap things off if you feel if you're feeling good and, and sort of receptive to the training load that day then you you know that's a good way of doing things i often get in in a four-hour ride i get six times seven minutes 40 20s mm. oh you have nothing else to do like <laughs> oh it's hard yeah but this is the kind of trainings where you as a coach can see as well like 
if is my guy is he going yeah or is he not going yeah if he can complete this session you know he's on the right track and maybe ready to go for something yeah some results yeah. it's a good it's a good litmus test you, you know exactly and if you've been working with a rider for a long time you'll know how they respond to those yeah. types of sessions and yeah. how to how to account for anything if it's hot you'll be able to make some calculations and say okay this is what it would be at normal temperature yeah yeah good so what does a coach actually think about coffee stops no oh, i mean you I, like them it depends on the ride yeah i think it depends on the ride and where it is in the ride yeah um generally if it's if it's on a long endurance ride just plain endurance yeah i don't think it's there's no problem yeah um if you're sitting there for an hour and a half then maybe there's a then yeah. it's a split day. then it's a split day <laughs> um but if it's if it's a short coffee stop you're in you're out you know just a quick um quick espresso or a cappuccino depending on time of day then that's half fine. an hour 45 minutes half an hour 45 minutes would be okay. 45 minutes would be the limit i would say yeah okay you know, then then your body will start to to really fall asleep again and you have to really like you oh, got I that feel, i feel great oh you feel great yeah. i can go out of the box and like smash it i i, I take sort of 15 20 minutes to warm yeah. up again i'm like oh jesus okay <laughs> so it's okay i had actually one like i think it was a week ago i did i was back to training after having a week off i did on monday i did seven hours Next day I had five planned, but I thought, no, nah, I do six because mm. I was in like first rides with my national jersey, and I'm like, okay, I do six. After two hours, I was so wrecked that yeah. I had to stop for a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so I did my coffee stop, and I sat there, and then after 20 minutes, I was like, I better get going. Yeah, I ended up sitting there for 25 minutes more. Yeah, just trying to get myself up, and then uh, then I actually I met Catterford. And he saved my day so I could do two hours with him. Yeah. And then I did two hours myself. And then I was like, ah, oh, okay, I'm just 10K from 200. So yeah. Then I ended up doing even too much. So I did six and a half again. Whoa. Yeah. All in the new New Jersey. Yeah. But then I had the coffee stop. Then you know it's a bad day when you have the coffee stop even before you're halfway. Yeah. Early in the <laughs> ride. But it was much needed. Yeah. Um. Okay. What is the wildest? Wildest day, the craziest day you had with your job? Um, I'd say probably the craziest day was Giro d'Italia stage one last year. Um, yeah. TT. Ah, TT. With Victor. Ah. Uh, Campanarts. Yeah. I was working with him heavily last year. Yeah. You know, sort of his personal TT guy that was yeah. going to every race with him. Yeah. And we prepared well. There was chance of rain. It was a steep downhill um, and it was the t- windy one it was the windy downhill tt mm. you know from the top of the mountain in uh, in sicily to yeah. to the city center yeah. and we prepared well we made all the sort of necessary calculations with the weather to try to optimize it as much as possible and he goes and bins it on the uh, on the first hairpin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which okay. you know it's 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 horrible when that happens and this yeah. is the one where Ghana he wanted like how, how mm. fast fifty eight k an hour yeah yeah and it was super dangerous yeah um, he he you know Victor jumped jumped back on the bike and was going down and then we thought the we thought the most dangerous section was going to be at the top where it's really fast and the wind was it was exposed but mm. the most dangerous bit was down in the town where you have the sort of the funneling by the 
by the buildings there with the mm. wind and it would just take your front wheel and several times Victor had to come out into his base bars so yeah, yeah. I was sort of on the edge of the driver uh, on the edge of the wow. passenger seat thinking oh god don't, just don't do it again please yeah, yeah. Um, I mean it it, it was quite a, a short day but a lot of stress happened in a very short period of time um, yeah, you must be like flying around I've like sitting with adrenaline like yeah. hell in the car because yeah. I've also been in the car behind some guys on TTs and it's like yeah whoa we really go fast through the corners and yeah. shit like that and I'm like you can't go that fast you can't go that fast and yeah. then I go myself two hours later and I'm just ripping it around and you feel it you feel it more when you're on the bike it's you know that's your that's your office so yeah when you're on yeah. the bike it's like no yeah. go pretty safe here mm-hmm. uh, yeah but it is when I'm in the car I'm you know the seat is as far forward as possible yeah. I'm sort of leaning forward with the microphone with my course notes and mm fellow viewers on on the phone in front of me and because also often the, the the director who's driving the car yeah he's going around the corners like an idiot yeah and actually he can just take it easy and we come back to the the rider anyway yeah it's not like you go 100k an hour on, on the bike <laughs> but yeah okay um so which is which is your favorite race to go to favorite race to go to is um probably Paris-Nice. Yeah, I really like it. That sort of it co- it covers so much from you know the sort of real classic style racing at the beginning. Yeah. It always has a TT. Yeah, and then you've got this sort of more mountainous stages. Mm. Well, quote unquote mountains, um, sort of hilly stages towards yeah. the end into Paris, into Nice. Sorry, um, and it's March, early season. You kind of really get to get to grips with who's who's done their work well yeah. in the preseason and and who's sort of a bit far behind um yeah and i like that style of racing yeah um that's another thing we could cover actually as a coach and you go to a stage race and you're Mm. there for the whole race what is your job actually there yeah for the normal stages and stuff like that what 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 do you guys do then i mean i've done several different roles when i'm at the whole stage race um you know for the road stages i might be for some for some races if we don't have if we only have two directors maybe um i might sit in with one director and just just support them yeah you know be in the car looking out for things hearing on the radio um if they've got plenty of sports directors i might do course uh, avant course which is where you drive ahead you might look out for the wind yeah. road surface changes anything that's not on the road book um and then you you message that back to the sports director yeah for a couple of um stages stage races um i've either been at the at the race or remote for the whole race and um sort of just looking at eurosport coverage um monitoring where the riders are yeah cross-referencing that with the race plan Mm. and you know if the plan was okay at 60k to go we've got to be all in the front and then i see on the on the the coverage i see okay well we've got three people there yeah where you know where the others um and i've done that for a few races especially last year um i was doing that quite a bit because with covid travel uh, restrictions i was remote for quite a lot of the races apart from tts um and i quite enjoy it i feel like sort of formula one being back, oh, at the, yeah, back yeah. at race HQ sort of with uh, <laughs> with Eurosport with Veloviewer and uh, on your own couch on my own couch in your underwear sipping coffee <laughs> and uh, yeah <laughs> okay yeah so yeah cool then uh, what's the worst race to go to as a coach worst race to go to as a coach um I yeah. guess it's all the same actually. yeah I mean as a as a coach there's no I wouldn't say any worst race um, for me the racing is I love it but you know, probably one with really shitty hotels or something. 
That would be Peronese as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had some bad hotels at Peronese, but no, I can't. I, can't, I couldn't put my finger on set and say, yes, this is the worst race I've ever been to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, usually the French races, they're shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, a lot of them don't have TT, so I don't end up going to them. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lucky you. Yeah. Okay. Um, we got some questions on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, one is asking, what is better, volume with low intensity or low volume with high intensity? Mm-hmm. Like, if you were just a guy who was training for staying in shape, yeah, which would you pick? I mean, if it's just for staying in shape and this person is not a professional athlete, they're working, they've got family, I would say low volume, high intensity. Yeah, I'd you say know, just too. do just do what's manageable yeah. in terms of volume. You know, don't don't really squeeze it. Try to squeeze out every minute of every day, um, and just you know have some have some easy days. But then when you're when you're training hard, make sure you train hard. You know, do do some short intervals like the forty twenties we mentioned earlier, yeah. or you know five minute VO two max efforts, things like this. So. Um, you can really get a good training stimulus, but it also depends on what, you know, you said there you're training for fitness. Um, yeah. You know, if you're training for anything else, like if you've got a specific event in mind, you might need to throw some endurance rides in there somewhere. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're commuting to work, that can be another way of getting a good sort of endurance stimulus. Um, yeah. And why? What physical aspects is there to this? Why is this better than mm. than the other? Yeah, you'll get more changes in sort of the high end VO2 max. Yeah. Um, you know, the the blood flow uh, computerization that you'll get as a result of that. You don't need to be able to, you know, for general health, you don't need to be able to ride a bike for six, seven hours no. at, at crazy amount of watts. You've you've just got to have a good circulatory system. You've got to have good... Get some lactate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get some <laughs> lactate. Yeah. You know what Nikki says? He says, I really think lactate is good for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it can be used as an energy source. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, he's not wrong. So if you can only do one kind of effort to become a better bike rider, mm-hmm. which effort should that be? Oh, I would say only one effort. I would say VO2 max intervals. Yeah. You know, if you're just doing endurance riding and then this other type of effort... Yeah, I would say sort of the, that four to six minute effort where you are, you know, your lungs are on fire, you know, because you, you'll, you'll have a you know, high blood lactate response there. Yeah. And if you're racing, it's always those that that five minute as hard as you can and you're just going to hang on for dear life. Yeah, yeah. That's that's when you either got it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then another one what is good training if you just want to go faster on a bike like have a higher average speed mm. motor pacing motor pacing yeah of course behind a, <laughs> behind a formula one car or yeah. something um yeah i mean speed work is great because you you'll be able to push a bigger gear without having to ride at super super high powers mm. you know you could be going you know 50 60 70k an hour you know at fairly comfortable yeah. intensities um and, and you'll also be able to, you know, being able to spin that gear with the the low tension on the muscles, you'll you'll sort of notice an increase in your speed. Mm. Um, but also, if you can also do that by riding with people faster than you, you know, whenever I yeah, go yeah. out with with pro riders, it's I feel that if I then go out on my own afterwards, I'm I'm sort of riding faster because I've got that 
that yeah. higher level just in my legs previously. Yeah, you just have that one or two K mm-hmm. going faster from a four hour ride with, with guys like us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And another thing you could do if you have unlimited funds, buy a lot of equipment. Yeah. The difference in equipment is is huge and it's way bigger than people understand. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, that's why we see Quickstep winning so many sprint stages. Because mm-hmm. they have the fastest bike and the fastest wheels. So go get a fast bike, yeah. deep wheels, tubeless. Good tires. Yeah. yeah. Then you're, you're flying. Think about your uh, sort of clothing choice. No flappy jerseys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what is your biggest, biggest fuck up in a race? Biggest fuck up? don't know if I've got too many actually. Oh, probably a recent one that comes to mind is uh, I I made a custom change in one of my TT spreadsheets for uh, I think it was Dowsett. Yeah, he wanted to do a shorter time, tra- a shorter warm up. Yeah, and um, and I made the change in the spreadsheet, but then I copied that spreadsheet as a template to the next race. Yeah, and I forgot to change it back. So uh, Guillaume Bovin had a had a very short time trial window but i still had him planned down to do the normal length time trial uh, warm-up yeah and uh we just realized so uh, he was finished like 20 minutes before he started or no no it would have been that he would finish uh like the other way around yeah like three minutes before his start oh shit so but thankfully we managed to uh to spot it in time and i made some changes (laughs) and uh and we got it but that was that was a i was uh high high heart rate at that moment yeah yeah okay yeah last one what do you look forward forward to the most when the season is over? Um, being able to ride my bike more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get to ride my bike a fair amount, but it's yeah. always in sort of two or three day blocks because then I'm away to race or I've got shit tons of meetings mm-hmm. in a day and it's just a bit haphazard. Also, now that you live in Girona, yeah. I promise you, October, yeah. it's a great month to ride the bike. Yeah. Because it's still warm, still like around, about those 25 degrees, so... It's not like back in the UK where you're, you're going to have the roads. The rain capes you're going to have the roads all to yourself because oh. every pro is <laughs> is on the beers. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, thanks for uh, being on the pod. Thank you very much. And uh, tack, yeah. And uh, let's uh, have a nice camp here. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market